I whoa, 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 whoa. Which number am I? Is this no, that's you. That's what number is check, 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 check. What, what are you doing? You checking my check, voice? Check, check. There we are. Mechaleka, checkaleka, hi, check Wow, 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 wow. Oh my goodness gracious. So this is um episode seventeen? Yes. I think I think we are episode seventeen. When do you stop counting? Like you know No, people, no, you keep counting all the time. Yeah, pull that in a little bit more. I just uh no, like, you know, when people visit the church and they go, this is the 16th time visiting. I always love that when we get the connection cards and it says, I have been here 27 times. You're like, wow, this person is counting. Do you think it's because it's so painful? It's like, I was operated on 14 times. They remember every every event because yeah. it's so painful. Oh, it's man. It's a possibility. Who knows, man? Glorious. Boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. So we started a new segment last week, Pastor Mark. Uh, we're looking at some news stories, given given our take on some news stories. So I got a news story for you. Oh, well, the deal is you're going to surprise me and see I don't yeah. have time to prepare. I, I didn't let what? you prepare. Are, for you're not one. hoping I step over the line, are you? Take my gum out of my mouth so we don't hear me chomping here. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate that. That's the first rule on public speaking is don't chew gum while you're public speaking. Really? Yeah. Well, no, probably not. Okay. Uh-huh. Here's, here's a news article. Headline. Um, actually, I won't read the headline and give away the news article. People with heart disease are notoriously bad at monitoring their health on their own. In fact, 45% of all patients who are released from the hospital with congestive heart failure are readmitted to the hospital within 90 days. This is not only a problem for heart patients' quality of life, but it is also a problem because Medicare and Medicaid penalize hospitals for patients that are readmitted too quickly after being discharged. To tackle the problem, researchers at the Rochester Institute of Technology have found a way to integrate sensors into an object that everyone interacts with several times a day and which can positively, I'm sorry, passively, passively monitor heart health while requiring they do nothing more than sit down. The next frontier of heart health is the toilet seat. (laughs) Wow. Uh, So how does that work? Even the most well-meaning patients won't measure their blood pressure every day, says Nicholas Kahn, an engineer at Rochester Institute of Technology and CEO of Heart Health Intelligence. In order to find the easiest way to monitor patients' health without their input, the RIT development team asked themselves, where can we integrate each of these monitors into our daily lives? A computer mouse, a steering wheel in the car, something people use every single day. The toilet seat was the most obvious answer. It makes direct contact with the skin, which makes monitoring easier, and everyone uses it. So you sit on the toilet and it uh, takes an, uh, what is it, an electrocardiogram? An e- uh- well, EKG. Yeah. It's like a butt EKG. <laughs> yeah. Wow. All it needs is to have at least two sensors on your skin. You need a minimum of two. See, I was going with toilet brush. Or not toilet brush. Toothbrush. Toilet yeah. Toilet brush. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's so, been, yeah. that's toothbrush. So wrong. Yeah. wrong end. Wrong yeah, end. Yeah. Oh, my wrong goodness. End. Yeah. So um, uh, are you going to feign editing that? Yeah. No, but, tooth- no, but I was going toothbrush. But yeah, okay. So yeah. a toilet seat with an EKG uh, attached to it that's automatically going to let your doctor know how your, uh, your AFib is doing. Wow. Yeah. I I think, you know, I'm, I'm going to be real honest. I think we got a bunch of people that are too smart for their own good. That's ridiculous. It, it'll work, though. I mean, no, people it, sit on the toilet, man. No, it is. That is the dumbest they need, thing they I've need ever need at least They need at least 30 seconds. They need direct skin contact. I, I think it'll work. I think it's ridiculous. They already make a device. Okay. You know how many times the, the fire department gets called in to... Uh, to a situation where a person is bearing down on the toilet and they, they have a high blood pressure incident and they, they fall over and they're like trapped in between the wall and the toilet. This happens all the time. 
Well, absolutely. But you know, the it's other called side, a vasal. What is that? A vasal response or something? Yeah, I don't yeah. know what it is. Yeah. Vasovagal syndrome. Something like that. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. yeah, yeah I'm yeah, not yeah, a doctor. Yeah, yeah. I only play one in my office. There you go. Yeah. No, you better not be playing doctor in your office. <laughs> no, come well, on, come no, on man. A, don't say stuff Clean like it this. Up, man. I definitely have to edit that out. Oh, man. Dorothy's going to get mad at us. Oh, man. Oh, my I goodness. mean, I'm okay if your okay, we wife got another... comes to see you at work. Hey, stop, stop. No more. Okay, I got another I got another article here. Well, no, hang on. I got Oh, you want to talk more about the 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 problem here? I tell you what, let's have let's have a guest speak about that. No, Shall I bring in a no, guest? I have no, a guest. No, no guest. I, no guest. I could ask Boudreaux Wilson and see what he thinks about no, it. No, no. Okay, because I know what he would say. No, 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 no. Okay, no, no. so I'm just thinking. I have this little thing on my wrist. Yeah, it's called a Fitbit. Yeah, it turns is actually not an an EKG. Oh, oh, I I get that. Mine has an EKG. Though. Okay, but I'm just saying, like uh, the butt KG thing, <laughs> I think would be a bad idea. Oh, I, I do think it'd be a bad idea because there's, I mean, there's shower water. There's glute, a lot glute of... KG, baby. Yeah, the middle of the what, night. What is shower water going to do with... That's not going to have anything to do with it. Anytime you mix electronics and liquid, it's a bad situation. No, actually, that the, the liquid in between the electronics and the skin actually makes the connection better. Okay, just put the Fitbit on the guy, and he does not need to know... I, I don't want people knowing my... People should not know business about your business. Yeah, you know what next, I'm saying? Next thing you know, they'll be doing DNA tests from the sewer water or something. Well, yeah. there you go. I mean, what's next? I mean, gosh. All right. I got another news article. Uh, All right. As young but, people. But wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. Yeah. As young people move away from religion, we know this is true. Many are now deriving their sense of community, measuring their self-identity from their work. According to a recent study by Pew Research Center, 83% of Americans over the age of 40 have some sort of religious affiliation, and 57% say that, they're, that it is very important in their lives. At the same time, only 66% of those over the, under the age of 40 are affiliated with a religious institution, and only 51% of them say that religion is very important in their lives. According to Jobvite's annual Job Seeker Nation survey 42 percent of american workers define themselves by their jobs they perform and or the companies that they work for and that number rises to 45 percent among those who are under the age of 40 furthermore of the 42 percent who say that they are that they say they define themselves through their work 65 percent say it is very important to them who they are as people their job defines who they are as people boy any thoughts on this one so they barely squeezed out of being millennials they actually got a job yeah and they're identifying with their job. Almost every guy you ever talk to identifies with your job. I mean, yeah, it's not like it's yeah. their life. But the, I mean, it the can vast, be their life. For the vast majority of human history, work was generally considered a burden and a means to an end, while leisure was considered not only the reward of work but the basis of culture and society. I'm not sure I agree with that. As a result, many predicted that many predict that individual wealth would. Oh, I'm sorry. Many predicted that individual wealth would lead to a more leisure time with societal wealth, uh, and while societal wealth would decrease the length of workday and eventually eliminate it entirely, instead the exact opposite has happened. Yeah, I guess that's kind of true. But, I mean, obviously, if you do find your entire identity in your job, then you may have a problem if you lose your job. That could be a bad situation. Yeah. But let me, like, let's go, I'm going to look at something here. Yeah. The garden, there's nothing the matter with work in the garden. Adam tended the garden. It was a command, six days shall you work. Yeah, it wasn't right. like, you know, so he was tending the garden, and it wasn't a bummer. There was nothing bad. It was what you're supposed to work. And that's what he did. And he was like God's gardener, so to speak, landscape guy. 
and and other stuff. And he was, you know, in charge of naming animals and do, doing all this stuff. And then after the curse, there was thorns and thistles and then, sweat and blood. Then work became hard, drudgery. Yeah, yeah. But work was not intended. That was work was supposed to be a good thing. Work is a good thing. Yeah. And yeah. so we we mess that up. We think work's bad. You should you should work is good. Martin Luther, not King. I know the reformer Martin Luther. Okay, he agreed. Work is a God given wonderful thing. What day was the Westminster Confession nailed to the wall? There, the Westminster Confession was never nailed to a wall. Okay, never. The ninety five thesis was nailed. Oh, to that's what the, it was. Okay. The Schlosskirche right, right. door. I just yeah, didn't know no. what the people in Westminster had done so wrong. So traditionally, traditionally speaking, the 95 Theses was nailed to the Schloss, Schlosskirche, the castle church door. <laughs> Got to be careful. And, man, you watch it, buddy. Yeah. And Wittenberg, Germany on Reformation Day, oh. which is October 31st. Yes. And they celebrate that over there. They do. We forget it here. We celebrate something else on October 31st, and it ain't Christianly. I forget what that holiday yeah, is. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah, yeah. It's got some connections, though, because the next day is All Saints Day. Yeah. November 1st. I, You know, actually, I think we're doing a great thing. Uh, our our anti, our counter-Halloween thing we do, the way we do that. Yeah. Our, we do these little festival things in our own front yard. Man, we have so many people in my neighborhood come to it. Meet the neighbors, give them Do the lobster cookies, toss. Do the lobster toss where we you know, have games. People are probably going to wonder what the lobster toss is. You want to tell them about the awesome game that you created? Yeah, I mean, it, was, it took me days, right? Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, so I took three old lobster nets. Yep. And cause hoop, hoop nets? Hoop nets. Hoop nets. And I, uh, I hung them in a tree. Yeah. With some glow sticks in them. Yep. And then I have some uh, stuffed crustaceans. Stuffed lobsters. Yes. Amazon.com purchase. There you go. Right on. And the, I actually think those went. Those came from the Redneck Mall. What's the Redneck Mall? Walmart. Oh, I thought you like Cabela's. Every, you can get everything at Walmart. Cabela's could kind of be a Redneck Mall. Uh, they don't Are you her. wearing a Cabela's shirt? I can I hardly do. see you. I do. I, this is my camo. I'm just getting, making sure it's all stretched out camo. for hunting season. Camo. It was raining. I thought some ducks might come over. You know? you know, that's why I bought those orange pants. I figured I could wear those in uh, deer hunting season. Is it true that like deer can't see orange or something? Supposedly. I mean, that's great. No wonder I like orange so much. There you go. You're practically invisible. To okay. Our... One more, one more news article. Oh, you got another one. I, I pulled out three of them. All right. Yeah. Uh, a study from John, Johns Hopkins Bloomberg social or school of public health looked at childhood traumas suffered by 1,284 adolescents ages 10 to 14 in more than a dozen low-income urban settings around the world, such as the United States, China, United Kingdom, Egypt, and Bolivia. Don't tell me. Those kids ate the watermelon seeds. No, they did not. They crossed their eyes and they coughed at the same time. Boys in poor urban areas around the world are suffering even more than girls from violence, abuse, and neglect. Groundbreaking international research published Monday suggests that the study in the study of the Journal of Adolescent Health, along with similar new research, suggests an adequate focus on helping boys is critical to achieving gender equality in the long term. And this is a bother to some sociologists who want to make it that, um, you know, boys, they have so many huge advantages in this uh, patriarchal, you know, society we live in. But I guess the research is saying, nope. nope. Yeah. Yeah. I got two boys, two girls. Do you? Two boys, two Me girls. Me too. Still. That's awesome. Yeah. And I'm just going to throw this out there. Mm-hmm. School is way more set up for girls. Yeah. That's, that's a good possibility. It, it, it seems like it's way more set up for girls. And um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I you know, I don't, college I college admissions that. would probably prove that too, because it's about two thirds of college admissions are girls now, and more than that, graduates. A lot of guys, uh, a lot more girls graduate from high school than guys. Yeah, and, and college. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, all the guys die in the war. More guys die in the war. Guys die an, in the workplace. Is that an advantage? Yeah, we die of heart attacks sooner. Is that an advantage? Do we die of heart attacks? Yes, more soon? we die a lot quicker. We don't last as long as the ladies do. Huh. So my wife's definitely going to last longer than me. Well, she's my, much more healthy. Yeah, my my wife's healthier than me, and she's got to go first anyway. I mean, really? Why? Well, she's got to die first. Wow. She she maybe doesn't want to listen to this. No, she can't live without me. Oh, I, mean, I am. No. You keep I, telling yourself one that. in a million. I mean, she she just you are one know, in a million. I'll agree with that. And you know what? Everybody me. in this church and in the world is happy. You are one in a million. That's true. They broke the mold. You might be one in a billion. I'm okay with that. All right. All right. So Should we. Um, so was there a question about that? Or no, I just thought it, I found it interesting that that uh, research is showing that that boys ages ten to fourteen have it more difficult than girls. You know something really crazy? Huh. Read sometime. Huh. Do you know who Ted Kaczynski is? He's the Unabomber, right? Right. Right. Really, really smart guy. Said he. Um, Why is it that all the psychopaths are smart? They, they says that he suffered from. There's such a thing. Listen to this. It's like a real thing. It's called excessive intelligence. Whoa. I have that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm safe. You know. <laughs> That and anorexia, I'm both pretty safe on those two you, things. You I, overcame anorexia? I did. Man, the yeah. doctor says I'm out of the woods. Whom the Lord sets free you've been, you've is You've been out of the woods indeed. since you were how old? Uh, Twelve. <laughs> I mean, it's just yeah. I just, I wondered about it for a day, oh, and goodness. then they decided yeah. I was totally healed. You heard someone say anorexia. You go, I wonder if I have that. I and better went, check and see. No, no, you don't no, have that. Looked mm-hmm. in the mirror. Uh-uh. uh-uh. Mm-hmm. Can I have a Twinkie? Yeah. So um, there's no way we're not going to get in trouble at some point on this I podcast. relish... Now I said relish. Now I'm thinking of Costco hot dogs are great. Man, I read an article. There was another article I I was reading today. Um, where did I put it? And it used the word relish. Now that you bring it up, and yeah. it was like that was such a really bad use of that word. It was put in the wrong place. It just did not come out. And now I I can't find it. I don't even remember what it was. Do you ever notice when you're reading these articles like they're supposed to be news, and you take somebody like the New York Times has not been around for like. A month, okay? It's not an eight-year-old. It's been there a while, huh? Yeah. How bad the grammar and the spelling is. They omit words and things like that. I found the article. Uh Yeah, go ahead. I relish. So what are you relishing? No, keep going. You were talking about the New York Times. This was the other article I wanted to say. It's horrible. Article number four. Articles are horrible. I'm like, I can do better than that, and that's not good. So So I was reading this article today because another research came out. Um, A group of researchers have been researching a little... I don't even know what you call them. It's not a tribe. It's a little, a little posse of chimpanzees. What would you call it? I mean, what? It's a murder of crows. It's a gaggle of geese. Gaggle of geese. A school of fish. A, a pod of I whales. Don't know, a family of chimpa- chimpanzees. I have no idea. A chump of chimpanzees. So the article. These no. researchers. Hey, no, a barrel. Is that what it is? It's a barrel of monkeys. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Okay, a barrel of monkeys. Yeah. I'm well, no, but that. chimps are different. Uh, new research published today on Scientific Reports describes the first observations ever made of chimpanzees preying upon and eating tortoises. And uh, the previously unseen behavior expands the known dietary repertoire of chimps while eating new, I'm sorry, while casting new light into chimpanzees' intelligence and the remarkable capacity for pro-social behavior. So it's talking about these uh, these chimps and how they, they take 
uh, these tortoises and they slam them against the tree and break open their shells and then have a little snack on the, the inside. So, so here was the use of relish here. Once the tortoise was cracked open, the chimps consumed the exposed meat with relish. And I was thinking, did they have condiments? Did they, yeah, did they I was spice say, it up? Or it was, was just it like they were so excited about this. Sweet mm, relish yummy. or dill relish? I wonder what goes better. Because you ever eaten turtle? I would say turtle would probably go well with, with dill relish. Yeah. Not sea, the sweet relish. Sea turtle ain't bad. There's a reason why they're protected. Well, no. Sea turtle, that's not the same. It's, this is a reptile. This is a tortoise. I, I, well, I mean. A sea that's tur- A sea turtle is a reptile? Isn't it an amphibian? No. I have no idea what it is. It's a turtley looking thing. Yeah. No. So is a turtle uh is it a is it a reptile or is it an amphibian? No, a sea turtle's a uh who the reptile who in the world knows. Wikipedia knows. You know what? We need what? our our people will come and tell us. Hey, Siri is a turtle a reptile. Okay. I found this on the web for is a turtle a reptile. Yeah, she's Wikipedia, of course. She she always just goes to Wikipedia too. See, she's she's no smarter than us. Yeah. It's a reptile, man. Wow. It's of the order of testudines, <whistles> turtles, and diapsids. Man, there's some gnarly words on here. Anyways, that's that's for another day. Reptilia. I told you, they're reptiles. Turtles are reptiles. Okay, I'm just cool. saying, all over I guess Mexico, it's not an amphibian. they eat those things. See what Costa I know? Rica, Almost nothing. All South America, they eat turtles like they're going out of style. Well, these chimpanzees. These chimpanzees really like to eat... Um, okay, and that takes brains? Well, see, this is what's so funny. They made it out like um, because the, the the chimps were beating these turtles against something hard to break them open, that they were using tools. It's like, no, I'm not exactly sure that that's like using a tool. I mean, they do the same thing with coconuts. So it's like they found something hard that has something sweet inside, but it's got sour relish. Yeah. And so they just beat it against a tree until they break it open. But they, man, this article is hilarious because they were talking about how this is the, the first time we've ever observed this in all of history. And I was okay, like, come on. There's got to be someone who saw a turtle okay. or a chimp eat a tur- tortoise in the past. You ever watch sea otters? Yeah, man. They break open the little things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, sea was, otters a, are I was in cool. Morro Bay checking out the sea otters in Morro Bay. Were you with Snoop Dogg? No. <laughs> what is them creatures? That's a great, yeah, pleasant <laughs> animal. No, um, there those are those were uh, uh, different river otters, but I was watching the um, the sea otters there, yeah, hanging out, uh-huh. and um, they're in Morro Bay, and they take a little piece of kelp and they wrap, yeah. put it yeah. underneath their arm, so it's like an anchor, and they take an abalone or, or um, an urchin. See, they and, get to eat abalone, and we don't. That's right. There's that's no, wrong. No limit for them. I know. <clears throat> And so, uh, but I thought this was really cool. One sitting there, you know, got a rock and it's cracking this little shell thing open. And the little baby sea otter, maybe we'll call that a pup. Okay. Um, You're probably right. Yeah. But what do you call a pod of sea otters? Little posse. Posse of sea otters. Man, the octagon. Yeah, something. I don't know. Okay, so you otter were saying? Pop. So there's a whole thing. The otter, otter pops. pops there, That's yeah. what it is. The otter pops Otter pops, there. yeah. Uh-huh. Actually... When a killer whale comes through, they're otter pops. Ooh, that's a different thing. Yeah, not good. So this little otter, little baby otter, you know, and I don't know, like a pup otter thing. Yeah, otter pup. Mom, yeah, otter pup. Mom is sitting there cracking open some shells. Everything's uh-huh. groovy. So uh, little Otto, the otter pop, he goes <laughs> and he jumps on his mom's stomach and he is looking up like he's on a stand-up paddleboard. Oh, yeah? I'm like, dude, that's legit. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I gotta go check these things out. You know, and so they use tools. Yeah, I mean, come on. Pro social behavior. Pro social. Yeah, that's it. Planet of the Apes, man. 
You better do something about it quick. Well, that is the the Miles and, and Mark uh, news fifteen minutes. So uh, you know that now you got the news that said we should just get right to the questions. Well, they should skip to minute number twenty or something. <laughs> they might have, you've got to find a couple other. We're horrible with suggestions. No, no, this is a new segment. It's the news moment. Okay, yeah, we've the news moment that. with Miles and Mark. That's okay, what we'll cool. call it. So news moment. So now we're going to go into the eight minute intro or what? Uh, no, I, I, we got some questions. I think. We do have questions. All right. And we got some great questions. Let's jump right to it. All right. Question number one. What if we don't hate people, but we are indifferent? Question mark. How do we draw closer to loving others? So I assume they want loving one another, probably. It's hard on these little phones to text things. So uh, what if we don't hate people, but we are indifferent? Okay. I mean, I have opinions. Oh, well, please do tell. Well, I think when we're being indifferent, we are hating people. It seems it seems like there's a pretty solid connection to it's indifference just, and hatred. Just because it's a quiet hate, mm-hmm. and it's a should we call it a simmering hate? There you go. It's um, like Cold War hate. Well, exactly. Now this with couples, and you probably counsel uh-huh. some couples a like you here and there. So one of the questions in the counseling uh, homework is, you know, do you um, what does it say? Do do you you know retaliate towards your mate with silence? Or lack of communication. And I call it the Stonewall Jackson. So you just, you know, they say something you don't like. And so instead of, you know, answering back or whatever, you just choose to be very quiet and they give you the silent treatment. Uh Uh-huh. And like, are you any less angry if you're doing the silent treatment? No, you're just not communicating. You're shutting them out and you're, you're retaliating. You're just doing it quietly. So, yeah. What is, what does quiet retaliation look like? So, um... Let's say you and your wife have an argument. Yeah, that that uh, happens like never. We never. never. We never say do like ever, once. Ever, it was ever. you know ten years ago. You had oh, an argument, probably yeah, at least maybe. ten years ago. Probably usually for my wife and I, it's not really an argument. It's a disagreement about deep spiritual matters, and perhaps you know she's on one side of the theological fence, and I'm on the other side. You know, Meaning so, she's right and you're not. Yeah. Well, I'm never wrong when it comes to that. But anyway, um, and and I'm always humble about it. So always. anyway, always a hundred percent. One one of the humblest guys you'll ever meet. Anyway, you know Moses said that about himself too. He did. I like Moses. He yep. was kind of a big cheese. Good guy. Yeah. I mean, he didn't get to go to Israel, but that's okay. Great lawgiver. He saw the new one. So um, he did get there. Matthew seventeen on the Mount of Transfiguration. There you go, man. So you're you're in a disagreement, and mm-hmm. you decide you're going to punish your mate with silence. By the way, ladies. If you think you're punishing your husband by not talking to him, Mark's marriage advice. It might not be a punishment. Some guys could go days without talking. That's some guys, certain guys, and they're great. It's fine. They'll be out in the garage and doing this. And so that's not a punishment. That's not a good policy. Men, you should never do this. So don't do this. Well, last week you said men don't say lay in the plane. I got quite a few comments back from some people about that one. Mentioned that you should not tell your don't wife. Don't tell that. your wife to land no. the plane. It's fine to tell the pastor to land the plane. But, you know, you in the back that, when you're you doing do the hand pretty signals. Much, pretty much weekly. I yeah, see the hand signals. You know, it's like, yeah. hey, we're 43 minutes. We go 44. Wrap it up. Wrap it. It up. You know, people are, mind the farmer's cow. Okay, as Spurgeon That's would say. Spurgeon. Charles yes. Spurgeon. Lectures to my students. The, what if What if we don't hate people, but we're indifferent? Yeah. We are. I think when we're being indifferent towards people, there it is. A form, it's a subtle hate or non-caring. You know, we don't have to want to burn somebody at the stake to be hating them. We don't have to cuss them out to be hating them. We don't have to be doing something that has a, a, other people can see to hate them. We can do that quite quite easily. So I think when we're being indifferent, we are not loving our brother. Right. 
And you know, I had, a, I had a conversation, I think it was following the service on Sunday, okay. and it had to do about people who um, are living in an alternate lifestyle, homosexual lifestyle. And uh, how should we treat those people if we're going to love our enemies? And I said, be kind to them. Treat them like people. Like, don't treat them like they're some weird, you know, unclean person that you have to stay far away from because if you get close to them, they might infect you with their disease. Like, they're people. Just be kind to them. I think that's helpful. Be kind. Don't be indifferent. I think if you actually want to minister to that person and maybe have them come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that's a really good idea. I mean, we are going to talk more about this in First John as we go on, especially into First John chapter 3 and chapter 4, because First John 4, 7 and 8, Beloved, let love us one love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loves is born, born of, of God. God. He who loveth not? Loveth not God. Knoweth not God. Knoweth not God. For, for God, God is, is love. First John Beloved, oh, let us it. love one can you, another. Can you do First it like John Julio Iglesias? Beloved. Let us love one another. Oh, man, uh, yeah. Man, oh, man. I'm going to do the Julio Iglesias worship track. So So how do we draw closer to loving other people? Well, there are practical things we could do to love one another. The most best, most best way that you can share the love of Christ with someone is? Well, listen to them. That's a good way. Share the gospel with them. Share the gospel. That's what I was thinking. That's life-changing right there. But I think you get to the the share the gospel thing. By having empathy towards somebody, being kind towards somebody. Now we have we have this video that we probably should show in the church of atheist magician Penn Penn and Teller Penn talking about yeah. a guy who gave him a Bible. Do you right. remember this video? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a great video. And in that video, he says, "How much do you have to hate somebody to not tell them about the gospel if you actually believe they're going to hell?" This is an atheist saying that. How much do you have to hate somebody to not tell them? So that was a, that's a challenging word from an atheist. Yeah, that's really jamming somebody up. From an atheist. Yes. The other one I like is the Chick-fil-A training video. That is a very good one. Recognizing that people are hurting and they need, they need a touch of God. They need grace. They need kindness. Right. And so just, you know, if we knew what people were going through, we would be probably not so mean. True. Hasty. Kindness, kindness is good. So I think consider others before yourself. That's how you Paul draw, does say that in Philippians too. Yeah, I think that's how you um, draw closer to other people and you you love people, and um, and you know what? I'm going to be real honest. You don't always see the results. No, that's true. You know, and I've I've shared Jesus with an awful lot of people or done things to pe- for people, and I'll never see those results. But I think somebody else will harvest that. Yeah, one plants and other waters, but God gives the increase. And I've had some people I've led to the Lord, and I thought, man, that was really easy. And guess what? When you get to the story, it wasn't all you. No, can you believe it? Mm-hmm. It was just not. Yeah, it was not. I figured they came into my presence, the Holy Spirit. No, that wasn't it. The guy was right to he had a place in his life, and the right guy was there. God put the right guy there. Amen. But somebody else had poured into their lives for years. But it sure is a great blessing to be able to be the harvester in that moment. So super cool. cool. That's awesome. Super cool. So I think we answered that question. Yeah, we we more than answered that question. Perfect. That person is this this guy. Whoever did the question, they got more than their money's worth. I'll say that right now <laughs> on a free podcast. Bar- yeah, exactly. bargain price. Thank you to our sponsors and who's our sponsor this week? <laughs> uh, Jesus. Nobody. Brought to you by Jesus and Cross Connection. <laughs> So maybe um, we could get David Guzik. I know he listens. Maybe David Guzik and Enduring Word will sponsor this podcast. I thought we weren't allowed to say his name. We had to say Oh one commentator. One commentator said, said, one commentator endorsed this message. Yeah, he endorsed that message. <laughs> I I gotta say, you know what? If we get our sponsorship pulled yeah. by Jesus and cross connection, we're both oh, in big boy. trouble. Okay. Oh, boy. Number two. Number two. 
How do you draw close to Jesus when we realize we have backslid? I know I need to draw near, but I have a hard time reading the Bible and even praying right now. Any suggestions to restore my relationship? Before we answer this, yeah, like this can be the way just somebody's feeling. I think different people feel. There's times in our lives when we feel like this, and there, the distance is not between God and you. Yeah, it's your perception of where God is. Yeah, I and, think sometimes we we shift over to God mm-hmm. the way that we might treat someone if they did something to us. Projection. Projection is the technical term, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, when someone's mean to me, rude to me, does something I don't like, then I kind of cold shoulder, I give them the silent treatment. Yeah. So we think God's like that. God's not like that. No, not at all. Nope. Nope. So when we realize, I think, first of all, realize that when we're realizing that we were backsliding, so either somebody let us know, or we've come to that realization that's brought about by the Holy Spirit because God cares for us. So you got to know that God cares for us. I know I need to draw near, but I have a hard time reading the Bible and praying right now. And he suggest, I, I think one of the things is you need to, there's a probably, there's very, let's, let me back up. There's a very good chance maybe there is something you are doing in your day-to-day life that you know God does not approve of. And that drifting is because you don't want to let go of that sin, whatever it is, many times. And if you would just bring that sin and that into captivity and repent of it, I think your attitude of your understanding of God would change. God is not changing in this. Your understanding of God would change because you are, your relationship, if you're looking over your shoulder and you're thinking like, oh, you know, it it's yeah, that's a big part of this is your attitude can be for the person who's in sin and they know they're in sin they need to repent of that and god's allowing that to keep coming to them that's one that's one way they can end up there i think sometimes people's hearts just get hard is another way yeah so any this other instances yeah i don't know this this question doesn't seem like the hard-hearted question this seems like the kind of broken-hearted question okay on the broken-hearted thing so yeah. i like yeah a verse a couple of verses came to mind psalm 145 17 and 18 says the lord is righteous in all his ways gracious in all his works the lord is near to all who call upon him to all all, all who call upon him in truth like the lord's there he's looking for you to just turn and say lord please forgive me and you know we've talked quite a bit in first john about first john 1 9 if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness I have just always found that as soon as I'm ready to be broken and turn to the Lord and ask for conf- or confess my sin, ask for forgiveness, he is immediately there. He doesn't he doesn't do the shun routine. Yeah, and I like the fact that you use the word broken. Yeah, cuz another verse in the psalm says he is near to the brokenhearted. Yeah. And I I he you may be in this situation cuz it's exactly where the Lord wants you cuz you had a lot of your own ideas about things and maybe he wants you in a place where you're starting to adopt some of his ideas maybe there's a repentance thing that can happen there or you're just hurting you're just hurting and there's circumstances that have come upon you and god wants you to reach out to him he wants you to reach out he's only turn a prayer to the lord. turn to the lord in prayer yes for the christian prayer is a local call there you go so and you don't have to call collect and restoring my relationship with him i think just walking in obedience praying um in reading your bible in faith yeah is a is a big one some of their days is like you know like i can't handle any more information or i don't have time for that or whatever that is spending some time just waiting on the lord is very 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 there's a restorative those who wait on the lord shall renew their strength 
they'll like eagles and mounting up with wings like eagles. You pretty much got it. They'll they'll run, run and not and be, be weary and walk and not faint. faint. Yeah. yeah. Even Teach the youth shall faint. Teach me, Lord. Yes. To win. Yeah. Okay. So um, I think we answered that. Yes. Okay. When Jesus says, love your enemies, how do you justify or explain for a Christian going to war for his or her country and kill their enemies? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, we were chatting about this a little while ago because we, uh, we did talk about this in another um, previous podcast episode. So I went back to look and see. We talked about this in our March 17th Q&A. And uh, yeah, so you can go check that out if this is your question. But we have probably some further further thoughts on this. Like the, the Bible is very explicit in the command when it says that you shall not kill in Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. Uh, it's one of the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. I believe that's the sixth of the Ten Commandments. So the sixth commandment is thou shall not kill. And the, the word for kill there really speaks of an intentional premeditated. So it's it should be, it would be better rendered thou shall not murder. Um, but there are other places in the scripture where, you know, it is commanded to uh, kill in the form of capital punishment. The soul that sins shall die. We see passages of scripture where God calls his people to go out against other nations. So there 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 is war in the scriptures. Uh, so, you know, there are times where that is acceptable and necessary. I saw an interesting, uh, I guess you'd call it a meme or a tweet today. And it was a uh, it's actually like a, it's like a meat. What, what was it? A, a meme tweet? A, a meat tweet? Yeah, meat, there we go. We'll call it a meat. A meat. Uh, it was kind of interesting. Uh, you've heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer? Yes, I have. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German theologian, uh, early twentieth century. Par excellence. Par excellence. Yeah. So there was this quote that someone had posted on the Twitter. I know that's French, by the way. Par excellence. Yeah. Check you out, man. Multilingual. Woo! Wow. Anyways, so there was this picture, a meme, and it was a picture of Dietrich, his face, and it said, it was a quote from Mr. Bonhoeffer, says, the will of God is that men should defeat their enemies by loving them. And then the first comment under this was from someone who said, didn't he try to kill Hitler? And yes, yes, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was put into a prison camp in the Second World War because he was one of the head guys in a conspiracy to murder Hitler. Which actually, I think would have been very loving for the rest of the world. Yeah, it's. I think it's. I think you got to frame these things. It's one thing to try to defend the defenseless. Yes, and they're you're. You know, I think I really appreciate what Victor and those guys are doing over yeah, in the Middle yeah. East and trying to help people out that can't defend themselves and all those things. And sometimes it happens. Right. You know, uh, that's very different than you know, shooting somebody because they're taking your stuff. Or, or yeah, or premeditatedly, you know, planning to murder someone. Yeah, it's a it's a very a different thing, and so you're going to stand before the Lord uh, on that. So I know where I want to be. Ultimately, the Lord is the one who's going to judge righteously and take vengeance upon His enemies. Uh, so we have to be those who really capitulate or put our desire for justice into the hands of the Lord, and we should endeavor to love our enemies. But you know what's interesting is that the command to love your enemy is a command of Jesus. And it's in response to the Jewish teaching of the day. There was kind of a rabbinical teaching of the of that time because the Old Testament said you shall love your neighbor as yourself in Leviticus chapter 18, I believe it was. And so there was a rabbinical teaching that you can love your neighbor, but you hate your enemy. But Jesus said, you may have heard that as said, but I say to you, love your enemies. And so he turns things on their heads. And so we are called to seek to love our enemies, but that does not mean that there is not a time for just war, a, a just war. 
And we talked about that in an episode about three weeks ago, three, four weeks ago. Yeah. So if you're getting, if you're in the military, I, I, you're cool. You're fine. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. As long as you are, are doing things in accordance with uh, righteousness. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's certainly people who have done what we would consider war crimes or unethical things in situations like that, that cannot be condoned easily. Right. Right. But we're not, we're not talking about that. No, we're not. Okay. We're good. Okay. Number four. We answered that question. We did. We did. So I think, uh, well, yeah. And then there's the, uh, yeah. Well, anyway, number four, number four, uh, number four, I'm reading the Bible daily and am up to Chronicles. Ooh, the it's, speed bump of the Bible. It's Chronicles, but Nehemiah's coming. Okay. <laughs> so uh, Speed bump of the Bible. Yeah, I understand. It's right up there with Leviticus. Yeah, I understand it, the genealogy from the beginning, but what am I learning or supposed to be getting from the text? Why was it believed to be important for inclusion in the Bible? Yes, we talked about this as well on another date. Episode 15 at 49 minutes, we talked about genealogies in the Bible. Um, you know, at the very least I'm going to add or throw out there that, um, it reminds us when we go through the genealogies that God is interested specifically in people. He's not the deist that the deist God who's out on the edge of the universe or somewhere and just doesn't care about people. He, he has a very specific plan. He's accomplishing his purposes. And ultimately those genealogies generally are pointing us down from Abraham down to Christ. So we're seeing God's work through that. And there are individuals in the genealogies where we, we get some important teaching points. So there are some good things to come out of it. But I get it. Sometimes it can be a challenge to read names that you have a hard time understanding and you don't even know who these people are. Well, I love the genealogies where it'll talk about the kings. Yeah. And I, I think I mentioned this in that podcast we addressed this in. But one thing that was valuable for me and ministered to me is, you know, this king uh, was not like his father and he didn't do well. Or this this one followed in the ways of his father and and honored the Lord or, and he didn't, but he didn't tear down the high places and things uh-huh. like that. And so if you look as these generations, how faith got passed on and their actions got passed on as a dad, uh, especially with the boys, it's like, I don't want to be that guy. I want it to be said that my children, um, walked in the ways of the Lord. Yes. You know, what was it? Third John where it says, uh, yeah, first I no, four, I have yeah. no greater joy. Yeah. And so um, I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in the light or walk in, you know. And so um, that's really important. That ministered to me. That's what I got out of those. Yeah. Well, and they also, they remind us of the historical reality of the text, that these things actually happened. These are people and places that, you know, these events actually took place. And they there's some spiritual lessons to be learned in those as well. And God cares about details. I mean, he's he very much cares about the things that were going on in and well, through these people. Look lives. at the genealogy. Jesus, t- trace that back. Yes. You're like, wow. God had a purpose and a plan. Yeah, there's there's like a lot of Hall of Famers in that genealogy. Ruth. Yeah, Boaz and, you know, the whole... Rahab. Yeah. Totally. That's a crazy story. We'll get there. The hooker that saved a nation. That's that's in our series. That's in the Bible? Yep. Yep, it is. Yep, that's in the Bible. Yeah, there's a lot of crazy stuff in the Bible. I can't wait to talk about that stuff. Anyway. So I, that's, that's my, I encourage, you know, read it. I mean, don't let it stop you, but give it a high flyover, but just consider what some of the things are going on there. So, um, yes. Okay. Number five. Number five. Cinco brought to you by Mentos. Mentos. Okay. Oh, you got Mentos gum. I do, but we can't chew gum. We're public speaking. Okay. That's right. 
How public is this? It's just you and me and a microphone. We got we got five listeners. We're good. Okay, good. All right. So Greg Danskin. Greg Danskin listens. He listens. He he talked. Ken Pilden. Those are the elders. Yeah. Those guys. Well, they might just be checking up on us. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like we're being monitored. We are. You know what though? You know what? I had someone tell me. Let me tell you I something. I won't use we're, their name because we're, we're I don't want to embarrass We're being monitored, them. but our toilet seat is electronic free. That's right, because we have an Apple Watch and a Fitbit. We know what our heart rate there is. There we go. You know, but I did have our, a great idea for an electronic toilet seat, by the way. Did it light up? A couple things. It would light up. Yeah. If it was left up, yeah. it would automatically, automatically go down. put itself down within five minutes. Uh-huh. And then in the morning, there's a preheat option. Nice. So just, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. If you ever, you know, you ever in a cold climate, or not, I mean, California, we don't really suffer with it, but you're, you're someplace cold. You know, earlier this year, Garrett and I, we were in Minnesota for this conference in the middle of January. It's like negative 17 or negative 50. No, I think it got down to, it was a polar vortex week. That was right. How many hot seats could I have no, sold no, in no, Minnesota? No, 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 no. Here, listen, I'm looking out the hotel window and there's a construction site building across the way. Yeah. And it's early in the morning. I'm looking out the window. I mean, the window itself is like a refrigerator, just cold air coming off. It's negative 50 degrees outside. I see this construction worker walking across the roof of this building and he goes inside the porter potty. And I thought to myself, that is a bad day. That, yeah, that's, boy, what did he do wrong? I don't know, but you can be guaranteed there was a poopsicle in there. Oh, man. Hey, well, we're going to totally get in trouble. That, 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 um, yeah, that conference. No, yeah, 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 yeah. That's the Desiring God conference? Well, it's not called that anymore, but yeah. But that's Piper's deal, right? Yeah. So what you're saying is. <laughs> The window was as frozen as a Calvinist heart. That's what you were saying. You're terrible. I You're going to get me into all kinds of trouble. I love stirring it up. We, you, we, just we, want yeah, it. you just want to cause problems. Oh, yeah. I, I have lots of good Calvinist friends. Yeah, but they want to good they friend, know you. Our good friend Randy Broberg. Is he Calvinist? He's totally a Calvinist. He, really? He's a graduate of Reformed Theological Seminary, RTS. Really? Yep. I didn't know that about him. He is. Yes. Wow. He's, I know he's like a post-tribulation guy. He's Swedish, man. Well, you sure? Yeah, he's a Swede. I know with a name like Broberg, he was always trying to pass off that he was a Jewish lawyer. Well, that would make sense. He's he's not, though, huh? No, and he had yeah. a client tell him that he had gotten Sweded. Ah. Uh, yeah, so it was kind of funny. So okay. anyway, it's Next, a good thing. Which number are we on? <laughs> we number were on five. five. Oh, okay. Um, the Bible Squirrel? seems to have, Yeah. Squirrel? Ooh, okay. The anyway, Bible seems to have. Confusing messages regarding death and judgment from Scripture. It appears that Jesus will judge us at the moment of our death. However... At his second coming, he will again in glory to judge the living and the dead, quote, who are the dead that will be judged at the second coming if people are being judged at the time of death, question mark. Mm-hmm. Well, first and foremost, I think it needs to be stated that, that death itself is a form of judgment. The soul that sins shall die. So the fact that we die is at least a judgment upon sin. However, for those who die having not believed in Christ, they will experience a further judgment from the Lord. Now, even those who put their faith in Christ, there is uh, an implication from another pa- number of passages from Paul in the scriptures and other places that we will have a form of judgment, but not judgment unto uh, death or eternal life, but it is a judgment according to the works that we have done in the name of the Lord and you know, there's a reward that's given in response to those. But there will be a judgment for those who have died without Christ. Revelation talks about this. Ultimately, at the very end, there is going to be the throne of God's judgment where we will see uh, those who died without Christ, where they are thoroughly judged. 
And so there in that passage, when those people are judged, it says that death and hell will be cast into the lake that burns with fire. This is the second death. So when we talk about the second death, that is ultimately the judgment that's going to come upon those who died without Christ. Now, when exactly is that going to take place? There's all kinds of theological positions of uh, eschatology. Eschatology is the study of the last things. And so, you know, you can read volumes of books about how and when every single one of those things are going to come about. But ultimately, there will be a second death. And uh, the, the old saying has been, those who are born twice die once, and those who are born once die twice. And the idea with that is that Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. So when you become a Christian, we experience the born again experience. So if you're born twice, you have a physical birth, and you're born again, then you're only going to die once. You're going to be with the Lord, to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. But... If you're only born once and you don't have the born again experience, then you will die twice. You'll die a physical death and then you will die a spiritual death. And when you get to Revelation chapter 20, I believe it is, 20 and 21, where we read about death and hell cast into the lake that burns with fire. And this is the second death. So uh, Revelation 20 verse 11, uh, John writes, Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, who's, uh, from whose face earth and heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. All the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things that were written in the books. So apparently God keeps record of our works, those who do not know Christ, their works uh, done, sinful works. And so then the sea, verse 13, gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades were delivered up to the dead who were in them or death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to their works. And then death and Hades were cast into the lake that burns with fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So the book of life, that's where every Christian's name is written down, and uh, they will not be judged according to their works and cast into this second death. They will not taste of this judgment. So when will it happen? At the very, very end. Just before God creates a new heaven and a new earth. Or a renewed heaven anyway. It may, you know, it may surprise you, but I have a theological position on this. Theological? Yeah. It's a big word. Theological. Uh, my theological position is fuel injection. That's not theological. It is. If you work for Ford. No. Okay. This thing is like, eschatology is like fuel it's injection. Death and Hades is getting hot in here. It's like, it's like fuel injection. Okay. okay. Do tell. You know that it works. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, when it doesn't, if it isn't working, your car's not running, but uh-huh. you don't know how to fix it. You don't need to understand everything. You don't know anything about fuel injection. Uh-huh. You're never going to get to the bottom of this thing. Uh-huh. Just be thankful that at the end it's done and God wins. Okay. True. It's fuel injection, man. You don't understand it. Well, we you can may try. Know, we can kind of know some of the components. I mean, I know where the fuel injectors are. Okay. Cold start valve on the older one. I know where the brain box but is. But see, when you take your, but your fuel, fuel injected car to the mechanic, you expect him to know what to do with it. Most so of people, the time, people he sent us a question because you're the mechanic and they think you need to answer what's wrong with this whole so I think ultimately, on, I think ultimately, all that matters is that it works. All right, well. That's good. I'm not saying it's a bad question. Some people need to know this. It's, it's a, a good question. Thing. It's a good question. It's a good it's a answer. burning thing. Good, Look at, listen burning to you. Question, oh, there you go. Yeah, hmm, yeah. yeah. burning yeah. question. Yeah. Anyway. Be but careful. Be it's careful. good to know. But, the, I mean, the truth of the matter is, yeah, don't ever want to be in here where you're worried about any of this stuff. No, that's true. You want to be on the other side. 
There will be a judgment of those according to their works at the very end by the just judge. What do you think is going to happen with this podcast? Is it going wood, hay, and stubble or what? No, but I can guarantee you this will be held against us on the day of judgment. You think so? Absolutely. I think so. God's going to go, remember what you guys said back there on May 23rd at 4 o'clock in the afternoon on that podcast? And I'm going to say, Lord, Lord, was the microphone. We're going to say, Grace, Lord Jesus, Grace, please forgive us. First of all, Jesus, come here. Yes. And then it's going to be, Lord, it was the microphone you gave me. Yep. Yeah. Number six. <laughs> I'm a total Calvinist when it comes to that, actually, now that I think about it. Wow. All right. I do, yeah. How do I make... A, These are the practical questions. Practical questions. Move from the theological I, to the practical. Okay, good. Good. Well, I think you answered the last one great. Okay, good. I didn't hear anything that well, perked my good. ears and said, unclean. Okay. Mine's really good. How do you make a big decision like choosing to take a job, offer, or move? Hmm. I have some thoughts. You have some thoughts? I have thoughts. You have some thoughts. Uh, Let's compare thoughts. Let's let's talk about thoughts. Okay. Let's talk about that. First of all, I taught on this. First of all, this is like a what? Five-step program? It could be 12 steps. 12 steps. All right. Cool. Let's go for it. So I taught on this. could get long, guys. It's been 48 minutes already. Some moons ago. Many moons Moons ago. ago. I taught on this. And it was a sermon called How to Make Decisions You Won't Regret. Really? And You taught about this here? I taught about it here. A long time ago. Uh, I taught about it at my former church too, and it was a it was actually something went, you like talking about. Well, I went through a series with guys because I think ah, uh, I think a big part we are a sum of the decisions we make, much of our lives of the decisions we make, and That'll if those preach. decisions are informed, uh, not just by your own knowledge or circumstance, but they're informed as far as godly wisdom and God has poured into those decisions. Um, you're going to have a lot better time of it than if they are not, if they're based in emotions or circumstance or, um, you know, bad counsel, greediness, sin, whatever those things are. And so you need to take into account, and I actually used the exchange with David and Bathsheba, uh-huh. uh, the entire process. And so um, I think you never want a decision to be in opposition to God's word. Uh-huh. So like if that new job is clearly doing something that God would not approve of in uh-huh. his word, uh-huh. Or that new place, you know. Yes. Um, you don't do that. Yeah. If you know, uh, you seek. I think you should seek counsel from people who are godly people. Counsel is good. That not only are godly people, but they actually have a track record of being patient and waiting on the Lord to clearly show them which way to go. In the multitude of counselors, there is safety mm-hmm. in the multitude of counselors. So I think you want to seek good counsel, and then heed that counsel. Right. Um, I think the open door thing is a big deal, but you have to recognize that is this a door you're opening or is it a door somebody, you know, that you are opening yourself or is it clearly a door that... Like the kicking your own door open? Yeah, kind of mm-hmm. make your own door, you know, with the chainsaw. You and I have seen that many times in I've been lives. guilty of doing that a few times. Yeah, and so um, big decisions. And so I think you need, to, you need to make sure God is in those decisions. And then there's some really practical answers like, you know, can I afford this? I mean, am I mortgaging the rest of my life to buy this, whatever it is, mm-hmm. is in a financial situation? Uh, am I being impatient in this? Uh-huh. Um, those are really, really good. You know, is this is this emotional? Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of questions you need to ask yourself, a self-examination thing. I don't know if that sermon came up. I don't know if it ended up on YouTube. You know, I looked, I was looking through our catalog of Mark Childers' sermons. I can't find it. Man. Yeah. Lost. Maybe you did it as like a men's thing or something. No, I actually preach it from the pulpit here. Huh. Yeah. You know what? I can preach it again now. There you go. There you go. 
If we so, don't have it recorded, it didn't happen. Wow. Uh, I think there's some things to consider. I'll add a few things on here. Yeah. Um, when you're when you're making decisions, God's will and stuff, I think it's it's an admirable thing that people want to weigh. What does God want me to do in this situation? Because there's plenty of people who just go, I just do what I want to do. And uh, that expect, could get you into trouble. And they expect God to clean up the mess. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I ask a few question, questions. Is the thing illegal, unethical, or immoral? Typically, the, the answer is going to be no. Hopefully, it's yeah, going to be no. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. So if the answer is no, that's good. And then I move from there and I say, well, is this decision or anything about this decision, does it align with the principles of Scripture? Like, is this honoring to God? Yeah. Then I ask the very simple question, what is the wise thing to do in this situation? Which oftentimes requires some counsel. And so, you know, we talked about in the multitude of counselors, there's this, there's safety by wise counsel, wage war, the scriptures say in Proverbs. Mm-hmm. So, and then uh, I, I'll go down the list as I'm going down and talking with people. And then you ask the question, is there any clear reason not to pursue this opportunity? Sometimes there is. Sometimes it's not the right timing. Sometimes your spouse is not on board with the decision. And I do think that it's helpful to, you know, be on board with one another. Now, that doesn't mean that there's times where you don't move forward into things where there's not a hundred percent agreement, but for the most time, most part, when my wife and I have made big decisions, we've been in agreement on those things. So, um, but yeah, read the you, scriptures. You bring something up that's really important too yeah. for you married people, right? Okay, or those considering getting married. And I give this advice to all the couples I counsel. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I'm like, guys, if you are not having your wife pray about this, whatever fill in the blank decision. And if she has something that's like a check in her spirit about this and, and she's offering counsel, God gave you a, that's a second brain. That's a second opinion that's there that hears from the Lord differently than you do. Let's be right. real honest with right. you. And so you need to heed that counsel. It doesn't mean you absolutely have to take that, but you have to understand that it's there. And many times I've sought people's counsel in something, and it's not because I thought they make great decisions. But it's because I would know what the other people were thinking, and I would know how to address that. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of reasons to ask those questions. So I think it's really important uh, to to ask that. But I think many times the Lord's speaking to our wife, too. And when you're in agreement on something, you move forward. Yeah, and, and, I've found and, that when, if the decision before me is not illegal, unethical, or immoral, mm-hmm. if it does not conflict with the clear teaching of the principles of Scripture, if I've gotten some wise counsel from some people, and then I, I kind of go to the whole thing, uh, you know, I'm going to follow. I got a great quote from St. Augustine here. Love God and do whatever you please for the soul trained in the love of God will do nothing to offend the one who is beloved. Hmm. It's an interesting way to consider it, that yeah. God moves us into new things by desire. Oftentimes I've talked that for years, that he works in us to desire and to do his good pleasure. And uh, so... Big decisions can be challenging, primarily when you've got two really good options. And it's like, well, I don't know which one to do. I'll say a lot of times, go ask your pastor. Yep. That could be helpful. That's why maybe that, hopefully your pastor is wise enough to be among the wise counselors. Right. But I mean, you know, like he can pray for you and you guys can bring another person. in. I think it's a really good thing. And and, uh, I've had decisions in my life that I prayed about for six months. Yeah. Six months to, to, to figure that out. So. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, don't be in a hurry. Best decision I ever made, made it very quickly. Really? Getting married? I bought her that ring within a few weeks. Wow. That was a good decision. You got to be careful. You can't let those ones go away. Don't let them get away. I've had, you know, another thing about really seeking the Lord, that's good, good move. But yeah. the good move, the really, the, one of the great things when you're absolutely assured 
that um, the Lord is steering you in a particular direction and you're going to follow the Lord in that. Uh That even when there's trials and it's horrible and it isn't like working out well, you can always look back and go, okay, Lord, but you intended for this to happen. You have that trust and you have that that assurance that this is, it might not seem like it's for the good for you right now, but you know what? It will be for the good it will be for the kingdom's good later on. It, well, and that brings up a good point. Like, I think it needs to be stated that God's will does not mean that everything's going to be easy and smooth sailing. No, I mean, I mean, Paul, it didn't right. work out so good great, for Paul. Great yeah. effective doors been opened to me and yeah. there are many adversaries. I mean, a lot of times the direction we go through, it's tough. It's hard work. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. Okay, and another it, practical question. Yeah. The number of perfection, number seven. All right. How do you become more assertive but also not be pushy, rude, or obnoxious? I like this question. Yeah? Yeah. What do you like about it? I do think that if you're going to move forward in life, then you do have to have some confidence, and confidence requires a little bit of being assertive. Uh, But you don't have to be a jerk to be assertive. Right, and I like the fact that this person, the way they they frame that question was, I don't want to be a pushy jerk. Right, and you know, in the Myers-Briggs personality test, there is no J-E-R-K. No? No. Okay. But I've met some of those people who think that that's one of their personality gifts. I know it's not one of your personality traits. Maybe we need, should, need to come up with our own test. Yeah. Our own labels. <laughs> Let's ever, not. You ever meet jerks for Jesus? You know, the guy that's just a total oh, yeah. obnoxious oh, yeah. guy and they're like, Man. I was listening to uh I was listening to Greg Laurie recently. He's and he not was a talking. jerk for Jesus. No, 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 no. You no. should be nice to Greg. Come you on. Know, you've, been to, you've been to a Harvest Crusader too, right? And well, you know how... I was I, at the very first one, bro. Oh, dude, totally. He had the coolest hair back then. He had like the bald mullet. It was he, great. That was like a... Yeah, it was like a, a bald There was no business in the front. There was nothing in the front. Yeah. A lot of party in the back. Anyways, uh, so he was talking about how... You know what? Like every, you know what? He wore those hammer pants too. Did he really? Yeah. Back no, no, in the they day. were just no. They were just. Do you remember like pleated dockers? They were no, no. The, he wore parachute pants. I've seen him in parachute pants. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, that's anyway. awesome. Anyways, we we'll, won't we'll, we won't bag on Greg too much. No, but he was saying, you know, you know how when you go to a Harvest Crusade and they got the guys out in front with the sign like Greg Laurie is a heretic and he's leading people to hell. You know those people? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah about? those people. The, Both the of Jesus them. Jesus yeah. protesters that are out there um, protesting a guy who's because seeing people come to faith in Jesus. Yeah, because yeah. they've got a better idea. Well, Greg was yeah. talking about how he. He went out to go talk with one of those guys. The guy had no idea it was Greg Laurie he was talking to. Of course, Greg was very, very kind and gracious, but I just thought that's so awesome. Here's this guy with a sign, like, picketing Greg Laurie, and Greg he Laurie's out doesn't there. doesn't even know who Greg Laurie is. Yeah, he had no idea who he was. You know what's really funny? What? We had a men's conference uh-huh. at a church one time, yeah. and there was a speaker coming. Yeah. And his name was John Corson. Yes, I like John. And I had no idea who John Corson was. Okay. A kind of a newer believer-ish. Yeah. And uh, I'm sitting down, you know, waiting for the whole deal to go down. And this dude sits down and he goes, hey, what, what's up, man? I go, just hanging out, waiting for the guy to get here. And he goes, who's the guy? I go, some guy named John Corson. And uh, he's like, really? And I go, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I. Yeah, and he, well, you know, and, and, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, you know, he's supposed to be all that in a bag of chips kind of thing. And he goes, really? And I go, yeah, I mean, I hope he didn't suck, you know? And, <laughs> and so, and all this, because there's a lot of guys here, they're going to be really disappointed. And, and you know, I really want to know what's so, so special awesome. about this guy. And I mean, I was just, you know, making conversation with this guy. Yeah. And, and then he got up and spoke. That is so great. Yeah, it was, it was precious. I like John Corson. And then afterwards, he kind of gave me the look, and I kind of gave him the, you know, ah, I was okay. It was okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, did that, so. You should have held up a sign like, yeah, like a 7.5. The dismount was a little bit of a problem. Yeah, well, they T-2-footed it. You know, yeah. 
Listen, Christian. Going to have to do a little bit better on the uneven bars. Okay, so we we better answer this thing, huh? Yeah, we got off on the John Corson thing. Speaking of John Corson. I like John Corson. Yeah, Yeah. and his, his, uh, his oldest son, Peter John, went to go to heaven just about two months ago. Man, that's gotta be hard. His wife died, his daughter died, his son died. He's had a rough time of things. Yeah. And then Greg lost a son a couple of years Greg, ago. Greg, yeah. Yeah. That's been almost ten years ago. Yeah. That's, Gosh, time flies, huh? Yeah, yeah. That's really hard. Heavy. Really hard. Heavy. Well, and Rick Warren, you know, his son uh, actually unfortunately took his life as a I did. Very, not know this that. is this is also a number of years ago too. Wow. Yeah. Man. That's that's sad. Yeah. You know it's crazy, Rick. I think it was Jason was telling me the story. Rick Warren was using the, or was telling the story that after he had, you know, lost his son and went through all that. I want to say that Rick was like in the Vatican or something. And, you know, doing the Rick thing. Because Rick, Rick just goes anywhere that Jesus will open a door for him. And the Secret Service showed up and wanted Rick to come with him. And it was uh, the What's- former vice president. What? Hang on a second. With like the Vatican Secret Service? No, no, no. The American Secret Service. Oh, okay. Because the Vatican Secret Service has got to be, hey, come here. We got to talk to you. It's got to be no, awesome. No, no, no. The Vatican, they have the Swiss Guard. Those guys are gnarly awesome. Oh, they they look, man. they wear like basically clown suits. But anyways, uh, I'm going to get myself in all kinds of more trouble. But anyways, so the Secret Service came because this was after um, our former vice president, who now is running for president. I don't even remember his name. What's the guy's name? Uh, Joe, Joe, no. Joe Biden? Joe Biden, Joe Biden. Yeah, His son yeah. had died. I didn't know that, yeah. And he was looking for and needing some spiritual guidance. And who did he turn to? Rick, Rick Warren. Rick Warren. Yeah. Oh, God, wow. God opens doors. That I'm guy. a Rick anyway, fan. I'm a I guess Rick we should come back to number seven. How do we become more assertive but not be pushy, rude, or obnoxious? Gosh, our, our talking for the last five minutes has had nothing to do with this. Let's think of a character right now. Who could I put a character who's... An assertive character? Like, like you don't want to be Clint Eastwood, right? No, no. No, you don't want to be Clint Eastwood. I'm trying to think of who you... Who is the picture of good assertiveness? Quiet confidence. Quiet confidence. You know? I think like the Star Wars guy, Qui-Gon Jinn. Qui-Gon Jinn. He had a quiet... Yeah. Liam Neeson? Yeah, he was a quiet confidence. He wasn't like, you know, pushy. Yeah, I don't know. He could use the... Yeah, the Jedi These are not going. the droids you're looking right. for. We should That's probably kind of actually answer the question. So how do you... How I, do you be assertive but not rude? Number one, I think you need to be assured that what it is you're trying to assert yourself in. Yeah. Uh, first, it should be your business. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. You don't want to push into something that's not your business. Something not your business. So yeah. I think you should be justified. I mean, before the Lord, it should be something clear. Paul talked about not being busybodies. That means yeah. being busy in other people's affairs. Right. So... Right. Um, Let's say it's a raise at work. A raise let's at work. Let's throw out some practical stuff. Okay, so on this point, though, I think, number one, you need to be really clear on what do you want. Right. So if you're going to go and impose your will, which is assertiveness in this situation, you need to be clear on what is it that I want. So you've got to articulate that to yourself. Like, sit down, write it down. What What is exactly that I'm wanting here? Right, and I think it's not, I don't, I don't think, you know, let's say if I'm going into a wage negotiation, which I have at certain times. You've done that? Uh, absolutely. Did we ever have that conversation? No. No, good. No, I'm saving it. Okay. So, good. um, but I just, you know, when in my, I thought, well, how would I, when I'm a, I'm a boss, how, how would I want somebody to approach it? And I'd like somebody to walk in without emotion. Yeah. And just say, give hey, me the why I need to talk about this. And here's why I need to talk about right. this. And, uh, I'd like to have something kind of commensurate with what the kind of the going rate is and, uh, um, state what that is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think I'm worth that. 
Yeah. And if you don't think I'm worth it, I need to know why. Is there something that I can, you know, improve upon? Or well, Mark, like the reason why is because of some of the things you've said on the podcast. So no, I'm sorry. Well, you know. The sponsors will not go for it. <laughs> Jesus or cross connection. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, as long as, you know, all right. Well, I'm going to keep talking to Jesus because cross connection obviously is not. That's listening. good. That's good. So, uh, yeah, you got to know what you want. You got to be able to articulate with not too much emotion. Yes. So I have discovered, because I totally agree with this, that when I'm going into a conversation that could end up being difficult, confrontational, but I need to be assertive, I need to be clear. I need to be uh, like relatively unemotional. I mean, I don't want to be a robot, but part of that means I need to ahead of time think about what I want to say. Right. And so I kind of run through my mind. What what do I want to say? What do I need to say? And if I get asked some questions, I need to be ready to give some answers to those questions because the question would come, why? Why do you think you deserve this? And you got to be able to articulate an, articulate an answer. Okay. Right. Or um, let's take another situation. Um you know, you've got a neighbor that's tree is growing over in your yard, and you know you just cut it down. You do the ba- the passive aggressive. Is that thing, what right? you do? Yeah, passive, yeah, yeah, yeah. You inject poison into the uh, the roots and just hope it dies. Pray over it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Salt, I, salt, lots of salt. Yeah, I, I think you just need to clearly state what it is that you need and why you need it, and or why that is it's important. And then it's up to that person, if they're a reasonable human being, to be able to acknowledge that and do that. Now, unfortunately, not everybody's a reasonable human being. So, Well, and generally speaking, people who have a hard time being assertive, they, are, they have a very agreeable personality, which is not a bad thing. And they're fearful of being disagreeable because they're afraid if they're disagreeable, people aren't going to like them. So they have a, a difficulty because they really want people to like them. They don't want to ruffle any sort of things. So sometimes you have to be a little bit disagreeable, not as a jerk, not in a pushy way, but be a little bit disagreeable and be assertive. And even Jesus was at times disagreeable and assertive. Like that whole driving people out of the temple thing, that was a little disagreeable and assertive. Right. But here's something that's important to know. If the facts are on your side, yes, then the facts are on your side. And you will only know that if you've thought about it a little bit. And, exactly. Yeah. You have to consider that. So I, I right. think that you don't want to be an assertive jerk. You want to be an informed assertive person. And uh, that's what you want to do. So the challenge is when a person who is more agreeable and less assertive, and as a result, this happens a lot of times, they get taken advantage of. Right. And when they are taken advantage of, instead of being a little disagreeable and assertive, they kind of go with it, and then they become resentful. And when a person becomes resentful and they have a lot of resentment built up, they get bitter and then they can start to undermine their whole situation by being vengeful and, and gossip. And that is not the Christ-like way. Yeah. And then you, they don't deserve the raise and you don't want them there as a boss. And then they get fired. Exactly. And they, yeah. they're wondering, their head is spinning why that happened. And I can think of names of, of people who have done that. In, be in clear. Mind. Be honest. Have the facts on your side. Be articulate. Don't be overly emotional. Speak up. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, and it takes practice. It does. And you don't want to be the guy who gets so fed up finally you just blurt it out. And yeah. And you just pop your top and yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Not good. No. No. If you, if you need something, please come to me and talk to me. We've seen knows. it happen. Yes. It happens in ministry too. All the time. Yeah. Not good. And then people have unrealistic. And I think it's important to point out mm-hmm. people in ministry are just people. I love the way Alistair Begg says it. The best of men are men at best. Yeah. Yeah. I like the uh, I like the saying, 
the odds are good, but the, the goods, goods are, are odd. odd. Yeah, you know, the even the best of men or men at best sounds so much better with a Scottish accent. Everything sounds better with a Scottish accent. Right. You know, if the only had... Scottish accent I can do is the guys from So I Married an Expert. Look at the size of it, boys. He... <laughs> Big old gigantic. It's like an orange on a toothpick. Oh, man. That's a, uh, yeah. We can't recommend He'll be that. crying himself reco- to sleep tonight recommend... on his huge pillow. We, I don't think we can recommend Mike. Mike I don't re- I don't make any movie recommendations. Okay, good. Just checking. Yeah. Except for Top Gun. Uh, I don't even recommend that. I'm not going to recommend it, but I'm going to go see it. Top Gun 2? Yeah. That's affirmative. When's it coming out? Who knows? It's supposed to be here in December, I thought. Whew. I can yeah. hardly wait. Wow. Anyways. Yeah. Well, it's Thursday. Sunday's a coming. Right. It's 4.30. We're probably going to get emails from our loyal members, listeners who say things like, where's the podcast is supposed to be here yesterday. We're uh, working on it. Which is, we're trying to get more efficient. The sponsors were late on getting us the funding to be able to record this. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't afford to plug it in. <laughs> Keep pedaling back there, Garrett. <laughs> uh, uh, we are well over an hour at this point. Well, so you we know should what? probably Maybe... wrap it up. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, um... next week we'll have more news stories. I'll, I'll go hunting for some, some more interesting ones. All right. And then, you know, one on the weekend, if you want to let me know that you're, uh, uh, so we're going to replace listening. all the toilets here with uh, heart rate toilets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, what did we spend $30,000 on? Well, we had to replace all the toilets with heart rate toilets. Yeah. I was going to say, we, uh, <laughs> we had one guy croak on there. Uh, it wasn't good. Yeah. The king went on the throne. Oh, here. my I mean, goodness Hey, gracious. you know what? You, might, you know what my favorite is? This, this, the toilet that's made by Bema. Yeah. It's, it's the Bema, Bema seat. seat. I, there is a Bema thing, yeah, too. Yeah, totally. And then how about the uh, porta potties by the company European? Nice. There's yeah, really one yeah, called, really that, called European. So, awesome. so, you know what's sad? Huh? That piece of technology could have saved the king of rock and roll. What? Elvis died. Oh. On, Elvis died yeah. on the throne. The king of rock and roll died on the throne. What did we call that? Basil something? Basil vagal syndrome is when you, I think your heart rate does something. You bear something down. Yeah. And the, well, hey, now. Don't bear down. Just listen to this. When you're pulling G's in an aircraft, that's a maneuver you do. To keep gotta, from blacking out. There I'm, you go. I'm saving that. When they let me fly like an F-25 or whatever. The, when I, one day I'm going to fly one of those things. You watch. A sudden drop in heart rate and blood pressure leading to fainting. Often in reaction to a stressful trigger. There you go. You know I used to get that? You used to get that? Yep. Really? When I would go into the hospital. I had a really bad hospital experience. And when I went oh. to the hospital to go visit people, yeah, I would sometimes be outside their, their room. or I had that happen to me one time at a hospital visit. And I felt like I was having a heart attack. And my first thought was, well, I'm going to put your head spot. between your legs. Hey, I did, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, well, I couldn't kiss. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, I, I, yeah, it was bad. And I asked my doctor. I did have that happen one time. And my doctor at the time was a cardiologist, uh, physician guy, but he was my general guy. Yeah. And I said, dude, I'm getting this and I'm, I'm really, it's freaking me out. Is my heart okay? And he goes, no, you're having a reaction, a mental reaction to something that's in the hospital. Yeah. Like you had a bad experience there. And I go, huh. oh, that kind of stinks. It was if a you're trigger. A, a pastor. A trigger, yeah. Because I'm, not that, over I'm not that mental, you know? I'm yeah. like, I didn't even know I had nerve endings. But anyway. So he goes, oh, yeah, doctors get it all the time. You know what that proves, though? What? You have a heart. I know. Contrary to popular opinion. Yeah. You have a heart like the Grand Canyon. Like the Grinch. It grew two sizes that day. There you go. You could almost see it now. There you go. 
Dun, dun. Dun, dun. All right. Well, you know what? Don't vasovagal, okay? Don't, yeah. Don't, don't waffle. That's like heart waffle. Have you ever passed out? Yes. Like the full over down for the count passed out? The Bugs Bunny Road Hour where the, the, the it gets all black. Yeah, when it closes in. Yeah. I was horribly sick and dehydrated from a, a mistake I made in Mexico. Something Ooh. I ate. Ooh. And um, they went to draw my was blood. Was it seafood? No, it was lettuce. Oh, yeah, that could be dangerous. Can, can you believe it over a piece of salad? That's why I don't eat greens. Yeah, and I was uh, framing houses in Fairbanks Ranch. It gets really hot, and so you get very dehydrated uh-huh, and all that. And uh-huh. I'm you know, not having a great time. Yeah. And uh, just dying. And so I go to the doctor, and they didn't know what's going on, so they tried to draw blood out of me, and I was dehydrated. You had a needle problem. I I hate needles. Do you really? I'd be the worst junkie on the planet. Well, good. And they got to stick me like... uh, My world record is they stuck me eight times to get blood out of me. That's not good. So she was on stick number four or five. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like on the cartoons where the it closes in the it, tunnel it, it actually closes in and next thing i know i, I woke went, up i'm dying i'm I woke dying. up on Here the floor go. i'm dying yeah and i didn't know jesus then so anyway. i was uh oh, i was, no i knew jesus what am i talking about i was sparring yeah. one time doing martial arts yeah and took a nice a nice hook to the jaw uh-huh and for a, for a split second i thought i was going down like the full-on ko wow and it i can see how that that happened. Well, man, it's it's a crazy feeling. You just feel like, okay, brain just shutting off. There we go. And I kind of stumbled, and the brain came back on. I was okay. We're Were good. you nervous at your wedding? Was I nervous? No. Yeah. My wedding was 110 degrees. I was not nervous. I thought I was going to bake to death in my tuxedo. That's right. Didn't people die at your wedding? No. Pretty close, man. It was hot. That's, I heard people's faces were melting. My like best the man. Ark of the Covenant had opened up, and women's faces were melting. Their mascara. My best man, Mark Searle. Yeah. He gave the, the toast, and he said, I think I can officially say this is the hottest couple around. Oh, man. <laughs> that was a good Mark. Mark Searle, good oh, job. Oh, man. Does he live to the podcast? I don't know. I doubt it. He's so busy. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Anyways, we should go. We're at like an hour and 10 minutes. Okay. Well, you know what? Yeah. This weekend. If, if you-, you listen this far to our banter, God bless you, and what is the secret password? Pastor Mark, I'm not monkeying around. I'm not monkeying around. Yeah. Not like them chimps that eat tortoises. Stinking. No more monkeying around. Tortoise-eating chimps. Next week, we'll have the monkeys That's with us. Wrong. Are they even around anymore? You know, the monkeys? Yeah. Okay, Davey God bless Jones. you. Let's go. Yeah, Davy Jones. Peace I, I, out. Yeah. All right, man. Adios.